stand to your feet, we're going to look at a passage in, in Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we're going to look at the, the final verses here in this chapter, and I'd like to have everyone stand as we read the Word of God, and this is just our way of showing honor. How many of y'all love the Word of God? I, I know you do. Let, let, let's read this together. Um, if, you're, if you're taking notes today, you can write this down when you sit down. The title of my message, very simply, is this. The title is Run the Play. Can y'all say that with me? Run the play. Now, here, here's what Jesus said uh, after his resurrection and, uh, of course, before his ascension to the Father. Here's what he says to the disciples. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make what? Disciples. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to what? Observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would, Lord, uh, put a new passion in our hearts today for you. Lord, for your cause, for your mission in the world. Lord, I'm asking today that you would set this place, our hearts, on fire. Lord, for this great commission, for this great play that you have called us to run. And so, Jesus, we want you to know that you're the superstar. You are our hero. You are our champion. Lord, we're not that good, but Lord, you are good. You are great and worthy to be praised. And we give you all the honor this morning, Jesus. We give you all the praise because you are deserving of all of it, Lord, and more, even more than we have to give. You are worthy of it all. And so, Jesus, thank you for this word. Thank you for these words that are going to motivate us and inspire us to go forth to be like you and to do exactly what you asked us to do by the power of the Spirit. So come on, would you lift your hands with me right now? Lord, we lift our hands to you right now, Lord, and this is us just uh, showing our dependence upon you. We plug into heaven. We plug into the power that's uh, available from on high. And Lord, we ask, I ask that you would, Lord, bring encouragement, bring power, bring anointing to us today. Lord, as we hear and uh, as we go here in about 45 minutes, Lord, I pray that we would go in the power of the spirit. And so Lord, we pray these things. We ask these things in the awesome name of Jesus. And everyone in Jennings said, come on, amen. amen. Give him some more praise before you sit down. Come on, give him big praise and then go ahead and have a seat. And once again, the title of my message, once again, is simply run the play. Can y'all say it one more time? Run, run the play. Now, let me, let me give y'all a little bit of context. Uh, I can't help myself. I've got to teach for just a little while. I'm going to teach you and then we're going to take off. I'm going to build the runway. We're going to take off. Y'all ready to do that? Uh, but, but here's the context. Jesus is getting ready to depart to go back to the father. He'd been with his disciples, spending time with them for several years, pouring into them, but he's, he's getting ready to depart. And uh, the way I like to say it, it's like this. This is like, I want you to picture Drew Brees. Do I have any Saints fans? Okay. A few, all right? Uh, it's like Drew Brees calling the huddle. And, and it's like him giving the, the final play to run, okay? Picture Jesus calling the huddle, calling the disciples into this holy huddle, essentially saying this, I've been with you. I have poured into you guys. I've given you my word. I have performed signs, wonders, and miracles. I have discipled you. Now I'm asking for you to go 
And I want you, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I want you to do for others what I have done for you. I want you to go short. I want you to go into Jerusalem. We know that from the book of Acts. I want you to go short, hot pass, but I want you to go long because I'm going to throw a bomb. You're going to go to the ends of the earth and I want you to run the play, not, not just here in Jennings, but Alexandria. Does anybody want to go to Alexandria? Well, let's go beyond Alexandria. Come on, y'all. Let's go to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus is asking us to do, which means that he's calling us to get out of our comfort zones. How many of y'all love your little comfort zone? Oh, you love your little service at Jennings. You love your little routine in Jennings. Back in Lafayette, you can find me at one of about five places. I'll either be at Midtown. I'll be at, you know, the local coffee shop, CVS. How many of y'all know a man can go broke if he lives too close to CVS? I mean, you can buy anything from heartburn medication to Pennzoil at CVS. The kids want me to make runs every night to get them some candy going back and forth. I've got my little routine in the places that I go. But how many of y'all know you'll do, you'll do very little for Jesus if you like your comfort too much? People that love their comfort too much will do very little for Jesus. But he's saying here, I want you to go beyond where you are. And, and I want you to go essentially into all the nations. I want you to baptize them. And I want you to do so in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. I want you to teach them to observe, or we can say obey, all that I've commanded you. Now, th that's, that's pretty important, huh? I want you to go teach others to obey the word of God. And so we, we see this, this holy huddle. We see Jesus calling them in as the good quarterback, the coach, all in one, saying essentially this, I want you to go. Everybody say go. I, I want you to go. This is the great commission. This is what was on Jesus' heart before he went to the Father. Now, with that in mind, let me, uh, let me get very serious here for a few minutes. This word go is, is so important for us, and I, I think, I think, you can, correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I think that in the American church that we, we've lost sight of this word. I think we have. Uh, I'm not saying every church, and I'm not saying Jennings has. I'm saying overall, as I look out at American Christianity, and I don't want to be negative, but I'm just saying it, it seems like we, we've lost this, this, this impulse to, to go, this command to go. And here's the way I like to say it. Uh, in many cases in the American church, the great commission has become the great omission. Let me say it again. The great commission has become the great omission. It has been omitted. In other words, there have been Christians and churches and people who feel like they have a better idea about how to reach the world than Jesus. <laughs> how many of y'all know none of us are that smart? How many of y'all know Jesus is very smart? And it's not about us reinventing a way to reach the world. It's about us coming into alignment with his plan to reach the world. Now, let, let me dive deeper into this and explain further. In, in, a, in a recent poll, this was a Barna poll, this poll revealed that, listen carefully, 82% of American churchgoers either had never heard of the Great Commission or didn't know what it means. Okay. That's what the numbers show. That's what the, the percentage shows. The vast majority have no clue about the essence and the heart of the Great Commission. They never heard of it. Many 
if they had heard of it, they, they just simply did not know what it means. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I trust Pastor Josh and the team that taught you well, that you, you know what disciple making is all about. But lean in, lean in on this with me. Here is just my opinion, okay? So hold your stones, don't get mad. This is just me. Uh, sift this, think about this. Uh, here's what I think. The American church has been more interested at times in drawing spectators who come and sit instead of making disciples who go and tell. Does that make sense? So we have to be careful in the church to not make this a performance and not to reduce Sunday down to you coming, sitting, and listening to me or whomever preach and making that the sum total of your Christian experience. Are you with me? Because it's easy to do. It's easy to do. I remember when, when we lived in Dallas, Texas, we planted a church there years ago. And I mean, the churches were huge. I mean, they were enormous. I mean, big parking lots, you know, re, you know it's the scanners as you come in. I mean, like the mark of the beast type stuff in churches, you know, <laughs> ID chips and I'm, I'm being silly, but I mean, like it was like technology, like off the charts and like you go into the kids program and the kids church and it was like, you know, six flags over Jesus, you know, it's like, wow, this is like Disneyland. And how many of y'all know there's nothing wrong with having a nice facility? How many of y'all are excited you've got a nice facility today? Thank God you've got nice chairs. And Pastor Josh starts preaching real good and turn up the burner in the seat, make you start squirming a little bit. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. There's nothing wrong with this, okay? But how many of y'all know all of this is just a means to reach people? Are y'all with me? This is nice but it's just a means to, to, to reach people in the world. But I, what I think is we, we've, we, we've, we've been more interested in creating, watch this, an environment where spectators come and sit and enjoy a service. Instead, we should be, while, while y'all come, we should be equipping you to go and tell. And so here's when we'll really start having church in America. When it's no longer about the pastor with the mic, but about the people with the anointing in the service. Does that make sense? So it's not about Pastor Josh or Scott. You know, thank y'all for the honor. Y'all are amazing how y'all honor us. But listen, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's really about you. I'm here to serve you so that the word of God can get in you so you can go tell them so we can reach the world for Jesus. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I, ho I hope that, that that does. And so I, I don't want to be negative, but that's just really where we are. The numbers show, the statistics show where we are. But in this hour, here's what I want you to see. Jesus is calling his church to run the play that he gave his disciples almost 2,000 years ago. And I want you to think about this for just a few minutes. That Jesus left heaven and he came to this earth. And he could have done a lot of things, but I'll tell you what he spent the bulk of the final years of his life doing. He ministered to the crowds, but he discipled the core. He ministered to crowds, but he discipled his core. And so he met with his three, his Peter, James, and John. He discipled them. And then watch what happened. The three 
became the 12, and the 12 became the 72, and the 72 became the 120, and then the book of Acts, it went from 120 to thousands of people. Today, there are billions, with a B, billions of Christians on this planet because of Jesus' obedience 2,000 years ago. Do you see how that works? Jesus spent time pouring into them, these original disciples, then they were to go and pour into others. And as they poured into others, watch this, the word got in them. The same word that transformed the disciples transformed the next generation of disciples. Listen to me, the word of God will transform you, but it's not just for you, it's also for your children and your children's children who I don't know what you did when you were a teenager, but let's believe for ours that they're gonna serve the Lord and make disciples, not excuses. Are y'all with me today? This is the play that he's given us to run. You say, well, what else? There is nothing else. It's running the play that he gave us. Now, with that said, I believe with all my heart at OSC across the board that Jesus is raising up an end times army. How many of y'all know we're in the end times? When's Jesus coming? Soon. I mean, I've been saying that for 2,000 years, right? An end-time army of disciples who are serious about making disciples. But in order, if you're taking notes, write this down. Can I cut on y'all just a little bit? Say yes, because I'm going to do it anyway. All right, I'm going to do it anyway. In, in order to make disciples, first, you have to be a disciple. So let, let's back it up a little bit. In order to make disciples, you have to, you got to be one. Now, the question is, and I'm sure some of you are asking this in your head, okay, Pascal, I get you. I see how fired up you are. Yeah, I see it. Jesus taught it, but what is discipleship? I'm glad you asked. If you're taking notes, write this down. Does Josh use this thing? I see him on on social media doing this. Does he use this every Sunday? I'm going to be like Pastor Josh. Next slide. Here's what a disciple is. Back up, it's not in the notes. All right, here's what it is. Take it, write this down. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, learns from Jesus, and imitates Jesus in attitude and action. Did y'all get that? Let me say it again. What is a disciple? Someone who follows Jesus, who learns from Jesus, someone who seeks to imitate him in attitude and action. Now, if you have a better definition, you can send it to me because I want to give the best that's out there. But listen, this is what I've come up with. This is the easiest, the simplest that I can make it. Let me say it again. Someone who follows Jesus, everybody say follow. Follow. Learns from Jesus, say learn. Learn. And imitates him in attitude and in action. I think it's pretty good. Jamie, what do you think? It's pretty good. All right, okay, he approves. So here's the truth. Anyone, any, anyone, anybody can be a disciple. If, everybody say if. If you are willing to do two things. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down very simply. Number one, answer, answer the call. That's really where it begins. You gotta answer the call. Before you do anything else, You have to answer the call. We see throughout the New Testament, Jesus calling individuals to follow him. Jesus didn't wait for them to come to him. He went after them. How many of y'all know there's a lesson right there? 
don't wait for people to come to Jesus. You go after them. Okay, some people will come. They'll be like, hey, what must I do to be saved? About one person a year, maybe. Jesus, he, he left heaven to come to the earth, and then he, when he got to the earth, what did he do? He was in hot pursuit of people. Look at this quickly. In the Gospels, we see Jesus calling people to follow him on at least five occasions. In John 1, Jesus calls Andrew and an unnamed disciple to become his followers. In Matthew 4, you can jot these down, Jesus calls Andrew, Peter, James, and John to leave their professions and become fishers of men. In Luke 5, Jesus tells the disciples that they will be catching men. In Matthew 9, Jesus calls Matthew to leave tax collecting and follow him. In Matthew 10, Jesus calls the 12 and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Hey, y'all, that's when Christianity gets real fun. When you realize, we sang it up here, the authority that you have in him, you won't want to come to church and sit. You will want to go out and in the name of Jesus, cast out every unclean thing from this city. Beginning with the lion's den down the street. I saw that on the way up and I'm like, good glory. Check it out. I want to show you something here. Jesus didn't call the best, notice this, or the brightest. He didn't focus exclusively on the rich and the respectable. How many of y'all know he loved them? But what I want you to see is that he called, based on what I just read, ordinary people, that's what I think I am, I'm just an ordinary dude, into an extraordinary relationship to do extraordinary things. How many of y'all know that's what he specializes in? So it's not like Jesus is looking going, hmm, let me find the smartest, let me find the richest, and then, okay, when I find them, I'll use them, the rest, sorry, y'all are out of luck. He doesn't do that. Because how many of y'all know it's not about us and what we have, it's about him and what he provides. Yeah. So some of you know my story, most of you don't, but uh, yeah, everybody talks about, you know, Pastor Scott, we, I'm called the good doctor back in Lafayette. Yes, it's true, I have two doctorates. I was in school 13 years, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all that's good and fine, but rewind the story to when I was in high school, this, this is the truth before God. I believe to this day, I have the record for the most days skipped in my high school. True story. Now, I love math and I love chemistry. Anybody love math and chemistry? Okay, a couple of y'all. I, I love counting the beers I drank. And I was all into chemistry, mixing stuff. Come on, I was mixing stuff in high school. Anybody else? Anybody else? Be honest. If you lie in church, you go straight to hell. Anybody else? Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I skipped school so I could fish, so I could hunt, so I could drink. And so I had kind of my own major going on. I skipped school. I could not have cared less about school. I was told by one teacher in my high school that I was the worst student that had ever gone through the school. And she was right. I mean, I'm thinking back to my past and just how messed up I was and how if you were to look at all the people who were gonna serve God out of 100, I wasn't even on the list. But how many of y'all know God specializes in people like that? The least likely. 
People brag about graduating at the top of their class. I mean, I was near the bottom. Why? Because I just didn't go to school. But then in the month of August of 2000, God called me. He called me by my name. And he called me out of my darkness, out of my stupidity, out of my foolishness. He called me out. He turned on the lights. And the smartest decision I ever made was saying yes to Jesus. And listen, you don't have to be that smart in life. The smartest thing that you'll ever do is say yes to Jesus. And listen, whatever he's asking you to do, be smart enough to say, yes, Jesus. And I promise you, you will never regret it. But he called me by his name. He called me by my name. I said yes, and he forgave my sins. He canceled the curse. He gave me purpose. And then he turned my rear end back around, and he sent me to school. And I went 13 years, and I went from the bottom of my class to the top of my class. And two doctorates later, the joke is on the devil, and the glory goes to God, because that's what he does. He raises us, and he uses us for his glory. Are y'all picking up when I'm laying down. Some of y'all feel left out. You feel like you're less than, like God can never use you. All you have to do is be willing. Listen to me. Your greatest ability is your availability to say, yes, Jesus, whatever you ask me to do, the answer is yes. Because when, when you say yes to him, the pressure's no longer on you, it's on him to give you the power and the strength and the wisdom and the word to do what he's asking you to do. Can I get some help, uh, Jennings? Come on, y'all. That's all you gotta do, and he provides the rest. So I was like Abraham. I had no clue what I was doing. But I obeyed the call, and I just went by faith. People are like, I, get, I gotta have clarity. You don't need clarity, you just need to be obedient. And as you go, God will show you what to do next. Amen? How many of y'all know that that's true? But you got to answer the call. God's been calling some of y'all for a long time, and you're here. Thank God you're here. But he's not calling you to come and sit. He's calling you to come get trained so you can go and tell. Does that make sense? Don't be satisfied with just coming here to sit. He's calling you into a discipleship relationship, to a deeper relationship. So you got to answer the call. Answer the call. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, God of heaven and earth. Yes, the one who determines the number of stars in the sky and gives to each of them a name. Yes. I'm in. How many of y'all are in? Say, I'm all in. You got to answer the call. Let me cut a little deeper here, but you, you must not only answer the call. Number two, you got to count the cost. You got to count the cost. Jesus says this in Matthew 4, 17. It's kind of a dirty word for some people. Repent. Now, now, some people have an allergic reaction to that word. Because maybe you grew up in a church environment, and uh, that's all you ever heard was, you know, how you're doing everything wrong, and here's how you need to make it right. And my old pastor used to say, you know, once you lose that long enough, you eventually quit. 
If you, if you lose long enough at obedience and trying, eventually you're just like, well, okay, I guess when it comes time, if they ask me what religion I am, I'll put Protestant or Catholic, but I'm not really trying any longer because you get to the point where you're so discouraged, you're like, But the word repentance shouldn't be a bad word and it should not be a word that keeps us from God, church, or from the things of God. The word repent, he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent, it it simply means this, a change of mind. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction in life. Is that bad? Well, for some people it is because they're not willing to turn around. But Jesus is the king The king came from heaven to the earth and he brought his kingdom. And essentially he's saying, I'm the king, my kingdom is here. If you wanna be a part of what I'm doing, entrance is by repentance. You've gotta break every allegiance and every alliance that you formed with other kings. You've gotta cut those and break those because you can't have them and him. How many of y'all know you can't have them, those other gods, and him? There comes that point in your life when you say, I'm going to cut ties. I'm going to break the chain. And I'm going to forsake my idols. I'm going to forsake my, my, my addiction. I'm going to forsake the pornography. I'm going to forsake these things. I'm going to for- forsake, even in, in some people's cases, a political party and ties to it. All the things that you can imagine that you've been glued to and tied to, I'm breaking these things and I'm turning to follow him because a new king is in town. Does that make sense? So it's breaking and forsaking. It's a, it's a, it's a turning around. Y'all with me? So back in Dallas, this gal used to call me fairly regularly and she'd give me little updates about her life, little testimonies. And she, on this one occasion, she said, Pastor Scott, I just want you to know that the Lord's been working in my life. I said, well, praise God, sister. Here's what she said. I was doing so bad, but the Lord did something powerful in my life. And I'm like, let's go, girl. Let me hear about it. She said, I was doing so bad, but since that time, I have done a complete 360. Now, some of y'all get that later because you missed geometry. But if you're doing bad and you do a 360, you're back to doing what? (laughs) Y'all are smart. The first service is the smartest, right? I didn't correct her. But what she meant to say was, I was doing awful. I was walking in darkness, but God moved in my life. I was convicted and I did a 180 and I left those things that were holding me down and breaking my heart and I've forsaken them and now I'm serving the living God. Come on, y'all, you don't want to do a 360. Repentance is a 180. You're turning, you're forsaking anything and everything that stands in opposition to Jesus and his will. But before we do this, we got to do the math. We do have to count the cost. Luke 14, 25 through 30 says this. Now, great crowds accompanied Jesus and he turned and said to them, how many of y'all know Jesus had this gift of thinning out the crowd? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, 
He cannot be my disciple. Now, he's not contradicting the Decalogue. He's not contradicting the Ten Commandments. He's not contradicting Paul, who talks about children honoring your parents and husbands loving your father. He's not contradicting all that. He's just saying your love for me has got to be so great. It's got to be so primary that, that everything else is clearly in second place and on and on and on down the line. He, he's elevating love for him over everything in one's life. That's what he's doing hyperbolically. He says, whoever, verse 27, does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see the cost there? Verse 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count? Or let's say it this way. First, do the math. Whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. That's a strong word, isn't it? So the cross, of course, represents death. How many of y'all are thankful that Jesus died for your sins? And there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. Nothing. Right before Jesus died on the cross, he uttered one word in Greek, which translates several in English, to telestai, it is finished. There's nothing you can do to add to your salvation. You can work and work and work and work and do good deeds from now to the end of your life, if you live to be 150, and all those, good work, all those good works collectively would not begin to contribute to your salvation. How many of y'all know you are not saved by good works, but you are saved for good works? And so here, here the point is not that you gotta do all these things to get saved. No, Jesus died so he could save you. But the call to discipleship is the call, he's saying this, it's the call to die. Now, some of y'all are excited about that, but the vast majority of people in the world don't want to hear that. You mean I have to die to myself? Yeah, because watch, when you die, then you really begin to live. It's been said that your marriage will live to the extent that you die to yourself. And so we have, again, allergic reaction to this word, ah, repent, death. No, no, no. These are good, friendly words that when we hear them and apply them, will bless our lives. If you're willing to count the cost, because there is some sacrifice on our part involved. It's a call to die, to sin. Because, listen, you can enjoy, if you would like, the pleasure of sin, or alternatively, the presence of God, but you can't have both. Did you get that? You can live in sin, live in debauchery, live in, live in, live in that. You can live in it, and for a while, I mean, it's going to kill you, but you can, you can enjoy those pleasures for a while, or you can come over into freedom. See, freedom isn't, it's not freedom to do whatever you want. True freedom is a freedom for you to do what he wants you to do. You come on over to the other side, but you, you can't have one foot on one side and another foot on the other. Come on, y'all. Come on, Cajuns. You have one foot on the dock, one foot on the boat. Eventually, you're going to get hurt. 
He's saying you got to be willing to forsake every sin, every pattern, every addiction, anything and everything that keeps you from following me. And for some of us, that's, that's a lot to consider. All the hooping and hollering here doesn't take away from the fact, and I appreciate the feedback because I'm hooping and hollering with you. I'm excited about this stuff. But for some of you, it's like, oh, whoa. No one ever told me that. You know, it's the fine print. You read about these drugs on TV that help you. And by the way, they can cause constipation, heartburn, and whatever, you know. <laughs> like, oh. And they say it so fast, you know, you can't even keep up with it at all. Let me say it very slowly. You cannot have the presence of God and the pleasures of sin at the same time. And I know Pastor Josh preaches the same thing. We've got to count the cost. When we do, here's what we'll realize. What we give up in no way compares to what we gain. What's all that addiction doing for you anyway? What's all that alcohol? You know, in the old days, this bud's for you. I promise that bud's not for you. Come on, older people. Some of you young people are like, what's that? The Budweiser, this bud's for you. That bud ain't for you. It's not for your marriage. It's not for your children. It's not for the godly legacy that you want to leave behind. That bud is not for you. But Jesus is. You ready to count the cost? You don't have to answer but I want you to consider it. When you say yes to Jesus, and then you begin the process of following him, and it's a, it's a lifelong journey that we're on. I've been at this what, 21 years, and man, I got a long way to go. Just ask my wife. <laughs> but discipleship is not a program. It's not a program. It's a process of becoming mature followers, learners, and imitators of Christ. In discipleship, it has a call. I've said that. It involves a cost. As we get ready to land the plane here, it, it takes place in the context of relationships and community. We get to do this together, y'all. We get to grow together. I'm so proud of Pastor Josh and his heart for discipleship. We talk about discipleship regularly. Um, I actually, I, I'm so passionate about discipleship that uh, I wrote a book. Uh, it's, it's, it's got a real clever title. Real clever. Real creative. You know what it's called? The Discipleship Book. I know, I'm very artistic. Yeah, I'll lay hands on you if you want the anointing. I'll pass it on. The discipleship book. Let's just call it what it is. One day I was complaining. We're not making disciples. And my wife looked at me and was like, well, why don't you do something about it? So you're right. <laughs> you know, she's, you're right, baby. So I had about, I don't know, two weeks off. And so I wrote, I wrote a book. And I wrote the book, this, this book. Raise your hand if you've done the book, discipleship book. Okay, well, good. If y'all raised your hand, I just, in the service, we go home. So let me talk about it for a few minutes because a lot of y'all haven't done this. The discipleship book is essentially a book that helps you get into the book, the Bible. How many of y'all grew up in an environment, in a culture where um, like you, you grew up maybe reading the Bible or around the Bible, but when you read the Bible, you didn't understand the Bible? Let me see your hands. If you lie, you go straight to purgatory. Come on, let me see your hands. 
raise your hands if like you've read the Bible before, you're like, I have no idea what I just read. Come on, just be honest. If you lie, you fry. Come on, raise your hands. I understand. Now, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, I don't know how you got there, but no one just opens the Bible on their own and starts understanding all the details of the book, making connections. And I'm not saying God can't speak. Of course he can. But, But there's a lot more that he wants to say when you get into the context and you become a student of the word. You understand the meaning, what it meant then, so then you can take and apply it in your life today. Does that make sense? So a lot of people have no idea what they're doing in the Bible. They're lost. It's like me driving through certain new parts of town. I'm like, I don't know where I'm, but how many of y'all know there's an app, there's an app, a maps app that you can follow that will show you how to get from one point to the next. This is a book about the book that'll help you get from where you are to where God wants you to be. So let, let me help you. This is not a book tour. I'm not here to sell books. I wrote the book. I do not make one penny off the sale of this book. I want y'all to know that. Not one dime. I wrote this as a resource. And today we have them available for you. And you can get one right as you walk through those doors. What do y'all call that area? The guest services area. $5, y'all. Now, some people are like, $5, Pastor Scott, you should just get. Listen, the price for becoming a disciple in the Middle East is your head. Here in Jennings, come on, y'all, $5. Y'all with me? $5. Can y'all do that? But listen, I I want you to see this. The point of the book is to get you in the book. There are questions and it will say, read Genesis 1. What does Genesis 1 say? There are questions that get you in the book so the word can get in you. And you don't just read the word, but you hear it. It gets in you. And then when the word gets in you, how many of y'all know the word will transform you? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that comes out of the mouth of God. Come on, y'all don't need me. Y'all need the word. And so I designed this book with you in mind to get the word in you, to know what God says so you can obey him and be effective and fruitful for him. So as we get ready to wrap up, Matthew 7, 24 tells us this. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the what? On the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded Come on, somebody, on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now, scholars tell us that during the hot summer months, and I've actually been to the Sea of Galilee, but in the hot summer months, the sand around the sea, it gets very, very hard. And it, it's hard to the extent that it, it's deceiving because if, you, if you're not familiar with that area, you could get around that area and think, oh, this would be a nice place to build my house. But looks, how many of y'all know looks can be very deceiving? On the surface, it's hard. But anyone from that area knows that you can't just see a hard surface and assume that it's really firm 
that they know that based on the season, it's going to go from hard to soft, firm, back. It's going to go back and forth. They know that you can't just build on the surface. You've got to dig below the surface, go below the surface, and find the rock at the bottom. And they'll say that when you get to the bottom and you find the rock, you can build your house on that rock. Now, how many of y'all know, taking this to our own day, there are a lot of things that have the appearance of being firm, stable, and solid. There are a lot of things on YouTube that look firm, stable, and solid. A lot of self-help books that look firm, stable, and solid. But how many of y'all know, if it's not built on the Word of God, it's all a bunch of sinking sand. But see, when you dig down and you find the rock and you build your life on the rock, listen, the wind will blow, the storm will come, cancer will come, heartache will come. But if you build your life on the rock, on his word, come on, Cajuns, you will stand through every storm, through every trial, through every tribulation, because you're not standing on the world, you're standing on the word. Build your life on the word. Find out what it says. Don't be satisfied with a little old Bible study that just kind of plays with the surface of something. Get below, get into a Bible study, get into a group with a discipleship book, get in that group and begin to study that word, not just for head information, but for heart transformation. Get in there, get hungry for God, turn off the TV, put down the phone, get with God, get in his word. His word will get in you and get you on the move for him. Y'all okay? But discipleship is not just hearing the word. Yes, it's that. It begins there. It involves doing the word. People say, well, discipleship, it's a, you know, it's a program. It's small groups. It's getting together. Well, yeah, we're going to get together. We should be together. Don't, I love being with y'all. Y'all are like family. I mean, I, I pastor Midtown, but every time I come here, I feel so at home with y'all. Y'all are the friendliest, most welcoming, warm bunch that I've ministered to. That's the truth. Thank y'all for being so gracious. Y'all like roll out this red carpet. I know y'all don't have a Starbucks, but I mean, I still, I get, thank you. So we're going we're gonna to do all that. We're going to do life together and have fun doing it. But here's what I want you to say, to see as we conclude. Discipleship at its very core, it's not about merely getting together. Go back to Matthew 28 to the very beginning to verse 20. Well, that's fast. Oh, that's wrong. To tw- uh, 28, 20. It was fast, but the wrong one. 20, there we go. Go to verse 20. Uh, there we go. Look at this. Teaching, I feel like Pastor Josh now. Now I'm in the anointing, huh? Teaching them to what? The essence of discipleship is obedience to Jesus and teaching others to be obedient to him. Does that make sense? So Pastor Scott, what does that look like? Well, I just preached my heart out trying to get you guys into this this book, which, which will get you into the book. But discipleship isn't a class. It's not a monologue of teaching, though it's nothing less than that. You'll, you'll receive instruction from someone. But the essence of it, the context of it is in relationship where we model Jesus, that we 
we follow him and learn from him and seek to be like him in attitude and action and not just say that with our words and our mouths, but actually, watch this, become like Jesus to the lost and dying world that we live in. Everybody say example. One of the greatest things your children will ever behold is your obedience to Jesus. They will learn more about Jesus and obedience to him by watching you obey than by you telling them to obey. Because here's what I think a lot of our children think. I haven't heard anybody say it, but I think this is on their mind. We're talking about obey Jesus, be like Jesus. And a lot of kids and teenagers are looking, at least thinking in their mind, looking at their parents going, you first. My name is Pastor Scott. I'm y'all's friend. People don't just need a message in the form of what I'm doing now. They need to see a living message. They need to see the word become flesh in our lives. Isn't that what they need? That's what I need. One time I was sitting on the couch with my, my firstborn, Karsten. And he wanted to watch a movie with his dad. I'm like, sure, baby, let's do it. We sat down and how many of y'all know, just looking through the selections of what to watch, it's like the devil threw up on your screen. And we're going through, it's quickly skipped through, found something I thought would be okay to watch. I thought would be okay to watch. And we get into it and you can see the scene coming. You know what I'm talking about? You can see it coming. And, and in the moment, I grab the remote, and he's watching, and I, and I believe he's watching, he's taking my lead to see what I'm going to do. Now, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or sound self-righteous, but by the conviction of God in that moment, I grab that remote, and I change the channel. Dad, what? Oh, Carson baby let's find something else he's like okay that's fine it wasn't a big deal like okay you changed the channel good for you watch this one little small act of obedience can go a long way with your children he watched me obey they've watched my children have watched us obey Jesus when everything in the flesh said to do otherwise. Your children are watching you. If you're a born again believer here, the world is watching you. Now that's very scary, isn't it? So making disciples is not just about getting in a group and sharing information. You can actually go play basketball. I'm so bad at it that I'm tempted to sin when I play basketball. I get, I get impatient. So I avoid things that make me sin. But in all, in all honesty, you can make disciples by the way that you play basketball. The way that you respond when you lose. 
by the way you interact with people. Not, not here at church, because here it's praise the Lord, hey brother, hey man of God. How many of y'all know the reality of who we are? It's not really what we see here, it's who we are out there. And we have the, we have the ability, the potential to show people that we value Jesus, that he's our treasure above all things in the way that we parent, in the way that we act and interact with one another. The world has a front row seat to it. So oftentimes the church is saying to the culture, repent, stop. Ah. And, and it's like the world is like, y'all first. Y'all are the ones you claim to have the truth. Y'all are the ones that claim to have the word of God. Let's see it there. Let's see y'all do it. Maybe we'll follow. Is that convicting? I want you to leave today encouraged. Without a doubt, I want you to leave encouraged. But I want you to leave today with a renewed sense of responsibility for the name that you carry and the testimony that you carry for the glory of God. And listen to me carefully. We're going to blow it. You're a parent here. I already know some of you parents, you're feeling some condemnation right now because you, you feel like you've blown it with your kids. Listen to me. Don't listen to the devil's lies. Maybe you have, but how many of y'all know there's a big difference between condemnation and conviction? Condemnation says, condemnation says, this is who you are. This is who you always will be. But the voice of conviction says, this is who you were for a season. But the voice of conviction says, go and sin no more. Go in the power of the spirit and be different in Jesus' name. And so it's often been said that if you cannot lead by example, then lead by repentance. Did you get that? If you fail to lead by example in your home or in your workplace, then repent, turn around and lead that way. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to your, your son, your daughter, to someone around you. I have, not, I have not modeled Jesus well to you. I'm sorry for that. But it's getting back on track, saying, Jesus, you commanded me to go into all the world to be a light, to be a witness. And Lord, I'm committing to you today to following your word, to getting back on track and not just being a spectator who sits, but being a disciple who goes and tells the world about you. And as we conclude, I want to ask you a question. Are you a follower of Jesus? And notice I didn't ask, are you a member of this church? That's very important. Are you a follower, a sold out follower of Jesus? If you're not, you can become one today, right now. No matter who you've been, no matter where you've been, no matter how bad you've blown it, you can begin again today. And I want you to right now to close your eyes with me and bow your heads. And I'm, I'm gonna ask this question one more time and no one's gonna embarrass you or call you out or anything like that. But I wanna ask you a question. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you sold out to his cause? Have you had that moment in your life, not just when you raised your hand to say, yes, I want to go to heaven, but that moment in your life here on earth, you said, Jesus, I'm in, I want to follow you. And no matter what it costs me, no matter what I have to give up, I am all in. If you've never had that moment when you've said yes to Jesus in that way, I want to give you that moment right now, that opportunity right 
this second. So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, say, Pastor Scott, I want to go all in today. I want to be a sold out follower of Jesus. I'm ready to break and cancel some things in my life. I'm ready to go all in. Then on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Let's see, that's me, Pastor Scott. I'm going all in. Let me see your hands. Raise your hand high, wave them. No one's gonna look, it's just me, just me. See, I'm going all in today. I'm going all in. No turning back. I'm going all in. Thank you. Thank you, those of you who have your hands raised. Thank you for responding to God. Thank you for responding to the Holy Spirit. If, if you're here and you say, Pastor Scott, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower, but there have been some things in my life that have been holding me back. And so today, I, wa- I want to turn from those things and I want to get on course. I want to be fired up for Jesus. Raise your hand right now. You're a Christian, you're a follower, but you say still there's some things that have been slowing you down, holding you back. Lord, I pray for my friends. I pray for everyone that's honest today that said this is where they are, but they're, they're willing to turn and go forward. Lord, I pray right now for encouragement, God. Lord, I pray for fresh revelation, oh God. I pray for a fresh stirring in our hearts, God. Lord, I'm praying, Lord, that we would love you above all things in this world. Lord, that we would place you at the top of our list. Lord, that you would be the driving force of all that we are and all that we do. And Jesus, I pray right now for the kingdom of God to come in a fresh, powerful way here to Jennings, to this congregation, to the families, to the children, to the teenagers. Lord, I'm praying for a manifestation of the kingdom and power. Lord, I'm praying that every curse would be canceled, that every sin would be repented of. Lord, that every eye and every ear would be focused on you. And Lord, I thank you for this campus. I thank you for this this church, Lord, what you're doing here. For Pastor Josh and the leadership, Lord, for Pastor Jamie, Lord, for everyone here who, who labors tirelessly for your cause. Lord, may you use this church to be a beacon in this region. Jesus, may you use us here. May you use us, Lord. Please use us to go and tell, to impact, Lord, this entire state. Here, there are church planters. Some of you, you're called to help plant churches. Some of you here, you're called to go on the mission field. Some of you here, you're called to do great things for God in this community, right here locally. But some of you are going to go. You're going to go beyond here locally. You're going to go. And so, Lord, thank you for that great call on our lives, on this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. If you raised your hand a minute ago and you said, I- I'm turning, I'm turning to Jesus. I'm going to follow him with all my heart. I'm going to give you a prayer and we're going to pray this together. And I want everyone to repeat this after me and, and say it loud and proud like you believe it. This, this prayer doesn't save you. This is just a confession. And the Bible says in Romans 10 that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So we're going to just confess this together. So if you raised your hand, and even if you didn't, come on, would y'all say this with me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. Come on, say this boldly. And I believe you rose from death to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and relationship with your Father. Say this with me. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin and I commit to follow you. 
no matter what it costs me. No turning back. And based on my profession of faith, your word says that God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and thank God, heaven is now my home. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on. What a great word, Pastor Scott.